I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. You could write about something in science fiction. So I dreamed up the Star Trek idea so that I could comment on man and society. The whole show was an attempt to say that humanity will reach maturity and wisdom on the day that it begins not just to tolerate, but to take a special delight in differences in ideas and differences in life forms. You know the greatest danger facing us is ourselves and a rational fear of the unknown. There's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden, temporarily not understood. Open your mind to the past, art, history, philosophy, and all this may mean something. There comes a time in every man's life when he must stop thinking and start doing. Fear only exists for one purpose, to be conquered. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure, more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. The heart of real science fiction is stories about people and ideas. Because it says it's not all over, it's not going to go up in smoke, we're going to make it. Because it says the human adventure has just begun. Everybody and welcome to episode 50 of the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. We are three Trekkie gals who grew up in the 90s and fell in love with Star Trek for a lot of the reasons that you just heard. And even though we consider ourselves Trekkies, there's a lot of Star Trek that we've never seen before, which is why we're cycling through the episodes of the completed series and talking about a lot of the cool behind the scenes stuff. And we're also giving you our reactions to the episodes. We'll be tackling topics as well within the Star Trek universe and do an interview with an occasional guest. Today's episode is all about the Andorian incident from Star Trek Enterprise. And if you're listening for the first time, we want to let you know very quickly who we are. My name's Sarah, and TNG is my favorite series of Star Trek. I've not seen the rest of the series all the way through, a few episodes here and there, well, except for season one of Picard. But when it comes to Enterprise, uh, this is my first watch through of it for this podcast. So I've just seen the episodes that we've done so far, I guess the first five or six or so. And I saw Shot of Pod 1 and the finale, which I guess spoils the whole series for me, actually. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but I don't know all the stuff that happened in between. Uh, season one in the finale so there you go my name is megan and um, deep space nine is my favorite although next generation is near and dear to my heart um i have seen um all of next generation all of deep space nine uh the first couple seasons of enterprise so this episode was not new to me although i hadn't seen it in a long time um and then a lot of the original series um, episodes so this was a fun episode for me to come back and revisit um I'd actually forgotten how good it was. So this I've enjoyed coming back to Enterprise um, as more of an adult than what I was as a teenager watching this show. So this is, has been a fun revisit for me. And my name is Erin. I am the resident Voyager fan on the podcast. So I have been really enjoying getting introduced to Enterprise and watching these episodes for the first time. I grew up with TNG, watched it all the way through, all the way through Deep Space Nine, all the way through Voyager, and then, you know, got into college and that sort of thing. So um, it's been really good uh, 
catching up on Enterprise. I do have a little bit of background in some episodes of uh, original series, but other than that, um, I'm finding a, a new friend in Enterprise. Yeah, I think it's pretty unanimous. We've all been enjoying it pretty much so far. Before we get any further, we just kind of wanted to let you know what to expect for the rest of this podcast episode. We're going to start out with our music challenge, as we always do. Then we're going to get into our recap of the Andorian incident, which is the episode, again, that we're talking about today. Then we're going to get into our What Did You Think segment, where we give you our just quick takes on what we thought of this episode. Then we're going to do our favorite part, which is our quiz. And then we'll get into some behind-the-scenes discussion, talk about the guest stars, and then talk about the episode and get your listener feedback. But for now, we are going to jump into the music challenge. And this is where I challenge Aaron and Megan to figure out where this random clip of Star Trek music came from that I'm going to play. And I'm going to give you no expectations whatsoever this time. (laughs) Great. They're usually wrong anyway, so I mean, why, why even set you up for anything? Are you ready? Uh, ready. think so. Okay. That is really intriguing. I was going original series. Yeah, I was kind of getting that, to it. that feeling as well. But I was, I was trying to decide whether it was original series episode or movie. I was leaning towards show. Yeah. And not movie. Yeah, just some of those like little bits of horn like the higher notes kind of had a original series feel. So um, why don't we go ahead and guess it was from an original series episode? No. <laughs> you see, I'm trying to be decisive though. I Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. <laughs> trying to be more forthcoming with my uh, guesses. <laughs> Let's see, trying to think about, well, my second choice was it was an original series movie, so uh, I will go with that, although I don't know which one it would be. Okay, Uh, you're correct. Ah. Well, that narrows it down significantly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's just one of six. Uh, Yeah. Oh, trying to think something that dramatic. There there are spots in most of them that would fit mm-hmm. with something that dramatic. I'm thinking probably not Star Trek Four. Um, just because it does have a really distinct sound to a lot of the music in it. Um and speaking of distinct sounds, if you guys hear a little tinkling of a bell, um, that is because we currently have a cat in the room. Hi, Ty. <laughs> yeah. His name is James Tiberius Cat. He is our honorary show mascot. 
and uh, I may have given him a toy with some catnip on it. Hmm. <laughs> That's just to keep him from rubbing all over the microphone while yeah. we were recording. So yeah. yeah, which was, you know, choosing one with a bell on it was not a good decision on my part. <laughs> okay, original series movie with that sound. Um, See, I could hear that in like the motion picture, so the first mm-hmm. movie, or the Final Frontier, the fifth movie. Those are my two yeah. meanings. I love how every single time you but, guys get to an original series movie, Megan always jumps to the motion picture first. It's like Encounter at Farpoint for her. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but it, it, musically, it works. Yeah. For like what happens in the movie. Okay. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and you did do a couple from the the motion picture. Yes. Before. So, yeah. yeah. See, I was leaning a little bit more towards um, – Undiscovered Country, number six. So that would be my guess. Okay. So we just had three movies mentioned here. Yep. Um, <laughs> just you're just going to mention with, all of them and cover all of them. Yeah, I'm going to go with Star Trek Five. That's my guess. Star Trek Five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Aaron is correct. It Woo-hoo. is from Undiscovered Country. So when she said that, I was like, in my head, I was like, dang it. <laughs> of course it's in that one. <laughs> Like that one's my favorite out of yeah, all of them. It is. <laughs> Why so wouldn't good. I guess that one? <laughs> it is. It is from a track called "The Incident" in um, in that movie, which I thought was appropriate for our episode today. So <laughs> yeah, matching titles there. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Archer, Tucker, and Tapal pay a visit to the sanctuary of Pajem. The sanctuary is more than 3,000 years old and used for the practice of Kulinar, the Vulcan method of purging emotions. Pajem doesn't look pristine, however. The doors seem smashed and inside ornaments are either broken or displaced. It isn't long before they find out the place has been taken over by Andorians, blue humanoids that aren't particularly on friendly terms with the Vulcans. They suspect the sanctuary of Pajem to be a disguise for a long-range sensor array used for spying. Archer and Trip are suspected of collaborating with the Vulcans and put under arrest. So what did you guys think? Well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Well, as I said, I got kind of absorbed in this episode as I was watching. Um, I enjoyed the storyline. I thought it really played with some of the humans not necessarily understanding Vulcans yet because, you know, they're the the race that they've had the most contact with. And yet they're so different from humans in their... um, culture and everything plus the the Vulcans aren't trusting humans with very much so um I thought it was an episode that played really well with that dynamic and also introduced the Andorians which I knew were going to be um uh instrumental in the story of Enterprise so I quite enjoyed it well I will say for me this episode I don't know. I had a weird feeling watching the whole thing. Like their humans were just barging in on these Vulcans. It just felt <laughs> odd to me like the whole time. Um, I did like the twist at the end, sort of. But again, they kind of wrapped it up kind of awkwardly as well. I don't know. Like I just felt like um, the Enterprise crew was a bull in a china shop <laughs> this entire <laughs> episode pretty much. 
But it was interesting, though, I think, seeing the inner workings of a Vulcan sanctuary. Uh, we don't get to see that very much on Star Trek. So that was cool. And it was cool getting to see the Andorians um, show up as well. Because I think up until this point, they'd only been seen on the original series, I believe. So this was kind of like a groundbreaking episode, I guess, for the Andorians. But yeah, overall, I just couldn't get that like nagging feeling of like the bull in the china shop out <laughs> out of my head for this entire episode. I can see why you think that. I mean, I, I didn't have that perspective, but when you said that, I was like, well, yeah, they were a little bit. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm more like Aaron. Like I got to... I was so caught up in this episode that I'm, I don't have very many notes. <laughs> so when we get to the quiz section, I may not do well. Um, but I, I enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed watching this one again. Um, I, like Sarah, enjoyed getting to see a different side of the Vulcan culture, to see the Andorians being introduced. Um, I mean, really, it's for... Timeline-wise, it's the first time they're being introduced into into Star Trek canon, um, even though it's not actually true. We've seen them in the original series, but um, it was just a good episode that I really enjoyed watching. It was very entertaining for me. Well, with our opinions on the episode uh, summed up, uh, it is time for our quiz. Can't you pay attention? Write down all those star dates. No more than a listen. Which of the hosts knows more about the show? So the quiz is where we ask each other five questions to see which one of us was paying the closest attention while we were watching the episode. If you want, you can play along with us and keep track of your score. You can let us know how you did on our social media, which we will give you uh, the contacts for. And uh, we will also have a listener quiz question on social media so that you can uh, answer a question on the episode yourself. Um, that will be posted after the uh, the episode comes out, so keep your eye out for that. Uh, you will find that on our Twitter, uh, which is at Tribbles Podcast, on our Facebook page and group for Tribbles and Transporters, and also on Instagram for Tribbles and Transporters. All right, so the leaderboard for us as hosts answering the questions on the quiz uh, are stand like this. Um, I have the most wins with 11 quiz wins. Sarah has three wins and Megan has six. So uh, I think I may have mentioned that I didn't make as many notes on this episode because uh, I got sucked into it. So uh, I would not be surprised if Sarah or Megan uh, win this quiz. Oh, don't pretend to be humble, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to get into the quiz, we need to decide who gets to ask their questions first. And in order to attempt to randomize this, since my uh, use of an app to randomize it was not random, um, <laughs> we no, have started was using not. a six-sided die, and I am, I am going to roll that, and uh, we will see who uh, goes first. Megan, you go first. Sweet. Okay, so uh, question one. 
What did the Enterprise come across the previous week that was not on the Vulcan star charts? I know this one. I was actually sitting here waiting for you to give me a multiple choice answer for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) That's too easy, Exactly. I don't know. It was like a red dwarf star or something. Aaron? It was a proto star. That is correct. Can I get half a point for it being a star? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Not this time. (laughs) Question number two. So we see that Phlox, Dr. Phlox and T'Pol are sharing a meal in the mess hall. How many celery sticks were on T'Pol's plate? Man, this is like one of my questions. Mm. Um, six. I, I think it was... Oh, I'm torn. Um, I'm going to go with four. You're both wrong and you're both it's off five. by one. It was five. <laughs> <laughs> so question number three. Uh, T'Pol is inst- giving Archer and Trip instructions before they get in the shuttle pod to go down to uh, Pajem. What uh, does she instruct Archer and Trip that they are to maintain at all times while in the temple? Wasn't it like silence? Yeah, I was going to say respectful silence. I'll give it to you. It was maintain quiet. So I'll oh. give that to both of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same thing. All right. Uh, question number four. What color is the roof of the temple? <laughs> that is one of my questions. <laughs> what in the outside paintings? Yeah. I think it was like a green, like a dark green. Yeah, it was like a weathered green. Yes, you are both correct. Uh, and question number five. So while Tripp and uh, Archer are there in the temple, um, they are being assisted by um, some of the monks for lack of a better word um, and they have taken round carved stone pieces and laid them out in a basic map of the temple how many pieces did they use Ooh! oh my gosh I'm, I'm <laughs> teaching I'm teaching you too much Megan <laughs> uh, now there were some off to the side are you counting them I did as count being those. used okay yes I did I did count those uh, or how many pieces do we see? I don't know. 23. I was going to say 21. Watch it I be 22. My answer is 22. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is not correct. No. <laughs> um, there were 40, 40 pieces. Wow. Of those okay. Little round stones. <laughs> yeah. It's way more than what I, it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so those are my five. I've got Sarah with two and Aaron with three. That is what I have as well. All right, so going on to the next person to ask their questions, and it will be Sarah. All right. Okay, question number one. How many buttons are there on the door mechanism in Archer's office slash quarters? Wow. I have this one because this is almost one of my questions. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, you know, you definitely got me because I didn't even look at that. I don't know, five. There are five. (laughs) That was a really lucky guess, Aaron. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) In fact, I can't even tell you the colors. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Question number two. When 
the uh, away team and the Vulcan that was out in the sanctuary are taken back to the room for the first time, how many Vulcans are being held hostage in that room? That was the one thing I didn't count on this in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eight. I'm trying to remember. I almost want to say they said it, but I think I'm mixing that up with a amount of time. But I'm going to use it anyway and say 12. Megan, you're so you got a lucky answer on that. (laughs) Did I get it right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Nice. Uh, question number two, or three, sorry. What color was the ribbon hanging on the rope that T'Pol used outside the Vulcan Sanctuary to announce their arrival? This was one of my questions. Mm-hmm. Did I going. Wow. Megan, you and I are thinking too much alike now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to go with orange. It was red. Mm. Yep, it was red. <laughs> Okay. Question number four. Going back to those stone pieces that Megan mentioned earlier, <laughs> they're using the layout. The pieces that Trip Tucker used, he used three pieces, and the two top ones had some shapes on them. What were the shapes? I knew someone was going to ask that type of question, <laughs> and I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not, like, write down any of the shapes or anything. I'm yeah, I didn't su- either. I'm pretty sure I saw one that looked like a Y and then I'll go with a square. I'll say it looked like a tree. Okay. No, they were actual shapes. They were a oh. triangle and a circle. <laughs> so, okay. No points on that one. No. Alright. Question number five. At the very end, when we see the Vulcan spy station or whatever it was called, how many levels of computer stations were there? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to picture it. And I think there were three? I was going to guess five. <laughs> Is it four? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> four levels. All right, so the score is, I think, if I'm correct, Aaron has four, Megan three, and I have two. That's what is I that have. Right? That's what I have. All right. Well, at least right. we're uh, on the, the same wavelength with our, our scorekeeping this time. All right. My turn to ask some questions. My uh, first uh, color question got taken, so I will go with my second one. Uh, when T'Pol and Phlox are uh, having a meal, what color stripes are on Phlox's shirt? <laughs> um gray and pink i have no idea are you looking for two colors on this no well i mean if you get the the background color that's fine but like there was a background and then a thin stripe i'm looking for the thin stripe um i i'm gonna say like a a maroonish purplish type color like a mix between maroon and purple yeah so megan you're going with the pink yeah okay um, I will give it to Sarah because they looked purple to me. Okay. In my head, I'm going, what stripe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind there of like vertical stripes. picture his shirt when I think about it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So down on the planet for question number two, 
Um, Trip goes to fix the transmitter. What kind of power cell did it have? I did write this down. But you don't know what it is? (laughs) I have no idea what it is. I know what letter it started with, I think. Um, Mine is more like my handwriting is so sloppy, I don't know what this word, like even how to attempt to pronounce it. (laughs) 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 Well, I don't remember. I think it started with the P, though. It's, it started, it, but I, I can read Krell, and that's all I got. Well, based on Mega's answer, I don't think it starts with the P. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, sound, it sounds like it starts with the Q. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Sarah, uh, your second intuition was correct. It does not start with P. And Megan, I think I will give you half a point because Krell is correct. It's a Krellide power cell. That's what the other half of that word is. <laughs> All right. So that was question number two. Let's see. Question number three. Um, in this episode, we only get the name of one of the Andorians. What was his name? Oh, man. I didn't even hear of that. So I, I have no idea. <sighs> I'm trying to see if I wrote it down. So you guys go for background details. I go for dialogue details. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, man. I got nothing. Although, as soon as you say it, I'm going to know what it is, but possibly. Okay, his name was Caval. I don't even remember them saying that. (laughs) It was just a a quick uh, thing (laughs) where it was um, the head Andorian, which... We don't know his name yet, even though we do know his name. Um, <laughs> uh, he just mentioned, you know, oh, st- you know, stop dawdling, Cabal, or something like that. So, oh, okay. Sorry if you guys hear a bunch of thumps and brushing against the microphone and things like that. Um, Ty likes to try and sit in front of or on my notes while we're doing the podcast. So, <laughs> so question number four. When the Vulcan Elder revealed the passageway down to the catacombs, he did so by turning a statue. Which direction did he turn the statue? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say counterclockwise. I'm going to pretend like there's a statue in front of me, and Mm -hmm. I'm reaching for it, and I'm turning it. Yeah, you can really do either way. Let's see. I was trying to figure out which one's more natural, but both are equally easy, so. Um, yeah, I'm gonna actually go with Megan on this one. I think it's it makes more sense to go, well, hang on. I'm thinking about camera, whether they might want to turn it towards the camera. Mm-hmm. But that would depend on which side of it he was standing on. I do remember that. Okay. I think I'm gonna say actually, I, this may be totally off, but if I was directing it, and it depends on what the statue looks like, I would maybe say turn it towards the camera, so turn it clockwise. Alright, so Sarah, you are correct. Yes! Nice. Working it through logically, just like the Vulcans <laughs> would. Okay, now, Megan took one of my questions, which means I need to come up with another one, because I don't like the other questions I've already come up with. So, (laughs) um, okay, Um, when 
Archer and Trip are in the um, atrium of the monastery and they're realizing that something is going on and Archer is trying to get Trip to join in without giving things away. Um, they start talking about Earth and all the places they've been on Earth. Trip mentions a specific location that he believes the Vulcans should see. What was it? On Earth? Yes. Oh, I remember him saying this. And see, I wrote down where Captain Archer's place and didn't mm-hmm. write down trips. I have no <laughs> <What>? idea. <laughs> see, Why would you? I, I was going to ask that one, and then I thought, <laughs> no, I'll go for the more obscure one. Well, well, since they both said one, then there's no telling. Is it someplace in Alabama? I, I feel like he says somewhere in Alabama, but I can't remember what he said exactly. I'm going for the half point for Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, are you going for a half point or a whole one? I have no guess at all. I don't know. All right. Well, you guys should have realized I would pick up on this one. He said they need to see the San Francisco Zoo. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> yeah, that's not anywhere close to Alabama. No, it's not. It's on the other side of the country, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have been to both Gulf Shores and the San Francisco Zoo. All right, so that is the end of my five questions. And as far as the standings, it's actually a very close race this time. And in fact, by my calculations, we have a tie with Mm -hmm. Sarah and I with four points and Megan with three and a half. Oh my gosh, I was wondering whether or not my score was correct. I might have forgotten as far as I know. Wow, that's high. This is the first time I have beaten anybody (laughs) or tied (laughs) for first place. Well, that's not true because you have some some quiz I was going to say in a very, very long time. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) I don't remember the last quiz I won, so. Uh, Well, well done, both of you. I was only behind by half a point. That would have been fun if we had all tied. (laughs) We would have had to have a tiebreaker question in there. Yep. All right, so our listener question was actually alluded to by Megan when she said that she knew where Archer visited uh, and recommended the Vulcan's visit on Earth. So where was the Earth Monastery that Archer said he visited? After the episode is live, we will have that question up on our social media pages, and you can answer that, and we will read out those who got the quiz question correct. So our social media pages, we have the uh, the Twitter page for Tribbles and Transporters, which is at Tribbles Podcast. We also have our Facebook group and page and our Instagram for Tribbles and Transporters. All right, guys, we're going to try a picture on this. Let's get everybody one, please. Pictures up. Pictures up. Let's roll sound. Rolling. Rolling. Sound speed. Camera speed. Take two. Mark. And action. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the production details of this episode, and we're going to go into the writer's room first. And our main writer for this episode was Fred Decker, and he is a consulting producer on Enterprise. He produced 21 episodes of it and then wrote five episodes. 
Rick Berman and Brandon Braga also contributed to this episode. And Brandon Braga is the one who came up with the story while the actual script was written by Fred Decker. The original idea for the villains in this episode was not going to be the Andorians, but they wanted to bring the Gorn in. However, they decided to switch to the Andorians since the Gorn were understood to not be able to talk which would have been a problem on this episode. They uh, let Michael Westmore, who was the main makeup designer on Star Trek during this time, redesign the Andorians and kind of update their look for the more modern Trek from what we saw on the original series. And of course, this episode filmed on Paramount stages 8, 9, and 18. The director was none other than Miss Roxanne Dawson, who played Lieutenant Belana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. And Roxanne actually directed 10 episodes of Enterprise overall. And she wrote, or not wrote, but she directed two of Voyager. And she also uh, voiced the station computer on one episode of Enterprise. So yeah. I'm hmm. not sure what episode that is, but... Um, I didn't write that down for some reason, <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting to see if we recognize her voice or not when we run into that. Yeah. Uh, she said that this episode of Enterprise was her favorite episode of Star Trek overall that she directed. She really enjoyed getting in on kind of the the ground floor of Enterprise and helping to shape the universe and some of the characters and so forth. And this episode was released in the United States on October 31st, 2001, so Halloween. And Europe got it, uh, you know, in 2003 and 2004. It's kind of spaced out between a bunch of different countries. So, hmm. All right, so moving on to our guest stars. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably interested to hear about one in particular, so we will go right for his uh, credits he is well known to a lot of Star Trek fans. His name is Jeffrey Combs, and he played Shran, who was the lead Andorian. Now, we don't get his name in this episode, but we will be seeing him again. So just giving a brief synopsis of his connections to Star Trek and his filmography and everything, he started his uh, film career in 1981 uh, with a couple of things, Whose Life Is It Anyway? and Honky Tonk Freeway. And then he went on to uh, appear in a lot of films related to H.P. Lovecraft. So he played a lot of um, characters in these horror movies and you know, sort of suspenseful characters. Um, he's particularly known for Dr. Herbert West in a series of movies about Reanimator. And he even voiced H.P. Uh, Lovecraft himself. So he's appeared in a lot of sci-fi and horror genre movies, as well as thrillers and dramas, including one called Snide and Prejudice with <laughs> Rene Auberjonois and Armin Shimmerman. And then there's a huge list of Star Trek actors that he crosses over with, um, particularly in a sci-fi comedy called Unbelievable! And I say it that way because it has three exclamation points after it. <laughs> uh, and this was in 2018. So a condensed list of the actor highlights in this um, starts with Nichelle Nichols and Walter Koenig. 
uh, moves to Michael Dorn, Marina Sirtis, Nana Visitor, Armin Shimmerman, Chase Masterson, Max Grodenchik, Tim Russ, Garrett Wong, Robert Picardo, Linda Park, Connor Trenier, Dominic Keating, and some of uh, the family of Trek actors, including Christopher Dewan and Mackenzie Westmore. Like I say, that was the condensed version. Uh, this uh, is almost completely cast with Star Trek actors, which I think is kind of amazing. Um, so then on TV, he had a lot of guest roles in shows like Beauty and the Beast, The Flash, Babylon 5, CSI, Criminal Minds, and Cold Case. And he even had a recurring role in the 4400. And he's also a celebrated and sought after voice actor. Then moving into his Star Trek career, uh, he first auditioned for the part of William Riker, but obviously uh, lost out to Jonathan Frakes. But later, Jonathan Frakes remembered him and cast him in a Deep Space Nine episode, episode as Tyron. And then he went on to appear in 31 episodes of Deep Space Nine as multiple characters, Brunt, Weyoun, Kevin Mulcahy, and an unnamed Hollow Sweet guest. He also appeared in one Voyager episode and 11 Enterprise episodes as two different characters. So he is one of only three actors to play two unrelated characters in the same episode, and one of only five actors to play more than seven Star Trek characters. So a lot of uh, wow. accolades there. Um, he said that his favorite character to play was Weyoun, just because he had the most freedom to to kind of have input on the character himself. That was my favorite of his for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a unique character and he does it so well. Yeah. And I think he would have it would have been weird to have him looking back, I think it would have been weird to have him as Will Riker. <laughs> like I just yeah. I can't imagine him. It would have been role. a very different character. Um all right, so moving on, uh we have the actor who played the Vulcan elder. His name was Bruce French. Now I thought it was interesting because I recognized this guy and I couldn't figure out where from. So thankfully looking up this list did help me figure it out. Pardon me while I move a cat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Bruce French held many recurring roles in series such as Dallas, Ally McBeal, Passions and The Riches. And he actually voiced several characters in a Star Wars radio drama, which I've never even heard of. I thought that's pretty cool. He made guest appearances in a large number of shows, including The Waltons, uh, Family Ties, Benson, in which he uh, starred with Ethan Phillips and Rene Auberjonois, Magnum P.I., The A-Team with Dwight Schultz, uh, Jake and the Fat Man with Roxanne Dawson, The West Wing, JAG, Boston Public with Jerry Ryan, NCIS, Mad Men, Boston Legal with William Shatner, and Crash with Linda Park. And then in movies, he started in 1974 with Man on the Swing. He then appeared in movies such as Airplane 2 with William Shatner, Jagged Edge with Michael Dorn, Jurassic Park 3 with Linda Park, and Mission Impossible 3 with Simon Pegg. And then in Star Trek, uh, he played Sabin Genestra in a TNG episode called The Drumhead. And the place that I recognize him from is he played the Ocompan Doctor in Voyager's Caretaker. Oh, 
he yeah. was also a Sona officer in Insurrection. All right, so we have a couple more here. Uh, we have Stephen Dennis, who played Tholon, who was one of the Andorians. Um, and he is one of the, or he is the only actor, in fact, to play five different characters in a single season of Star Trek, wow. which was Voyager season five. He started out as a stage actor in the 80s and 90s, becoming a director and teacher as well. And then on TV, he guest starred in shows such as Profiler, Young and the Restless, L.A. Heat, and Miracles. In films, he appeared in <clears throat> Double Blind, Gobi and God, Inconvenience, and Split. And he's currently working with the Pennsylvania Shakespeare Company and DeSalle University. So then we have the only Andorian that gets a name in the uh, episode, Caval. He was played by Jeff Ricketts. So prior to Star Trek, he appeared in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, VIP, and CSI. And then on the show 24, he was actually the first character to appear on screen in that show as a whole. Uh, he has since moved to Europe uh, because he is completely fluent in German and uh, he is appearing in a lot of German language TV and movies. And he also appeared in movies such as City of Spies, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, where he crossed over with Bruce Greenwood, and Glossary of Broken Dreams with Max Grodencheck. And then we have the Vulcan initiate, uh, Richard Tanner. Uh, some of his early guest roles include First in Ten, The Golden Girls, Empty Nest, and a recurring role on General Hospital. Uh, he was in Nails, Silk Stockings, The Nanny, Diagnosis, Murder, and Jag. And then in movies, he appeared in The Glimmer Man, uh, To the Ends of Time, Java Heads the Movie, The Pandora Project, Timeshare, and New Alcatraz. And then after he appeared in Star Trek, um, he has been in a, quite a few other things, including 10-8, Officers on Duty, uh, which also had Rosalind Chow, NYPD Blue with Denise Crosby, uh, Monk, Pretty Little Liars, American Horror Story, This Is Us, Girl Fever, An American Carol, Heat Wave, uh, Fred and Vinny, Spanners, Last Curtain Call, uh, The Hunting of the Snark, A Tale of Two Corys, and The Debt Collector. So those are our guest stars for this episode. That is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it was a bit of a marathon one this time. <laughs> It's just me, but it seems like these Vulcan star charts take all the fun out of it. We're supposed to be explorers, aren't we? That's the general idea. Where's the exploration and going places people have already been? Well, for one thing, we've never been to these places. For another, remember that proto-star we ran across last week? Yeah. I'm not seeing it here. Are you saying those Vulcan star charts aren't all that accurate? Well, if that's true, good luck getting him to admit it. Okay, so I guess we will get into the episode discussion. And we start out uh, where the Enterprise is close to a Vulcan sanctuary of Pajem, a sacred spot where the Vulcans go to meditate and no technology is allowed. Archer and Tucker decide to visit the location and invite T'Pol to go with him. T'Pol teaches the protocol to the Earthlings, but when they reach the monastery, they observe that some objects are out of place. I have to say, I like how this episode opened with um, 
just them out exploring space and coming across this a monastery um, that it's been a while since I've seen the episode. So y'all may have to correct me. Was it on the Vulcan star chart or was it not? I don't remember. It was not. Okay. So I, I liked having this, that they're wanting to explore places that no human has been. Um, I mean, it was, I thought Pajem was on the star chart, but it was the proto star that wasn't. Yeah, the protostar for sure wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> so, don't listen to me with half of these <laughs> plot details. I don't know. Yeah, but I, it's just something I enjoyed that they were yeah. um, just being explorers, doing what they were out in space to do. It was more of a, a day in the life kind of thing rather than, mm-hmm. oh, we're being sent on this specific mission and we're going to go do this. I just thought it was weird, this, this whole... <laughs> Like I alluded to before, I felt like really awkward in these first few scenes where basically Archer and Tucker just invited themselves to go to this Vulcan sanctuary. (laughs) I was like, how do you guys know that they would even like welcome you or allow you there? Maybe you should, you know, um, I, I don't know. It was just, it was just odd. They were like, yeah, this you know, sacred sanctuary. Let's go crash it. You know? yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should listen to our Vulcan science officer who's telling us no. Yeah, it almost felt like there was a little bit of, let's let's see if we can get to Paul to kind of like open up to us a little bit. And, you know, if we can, if we can talk her into this, which is, you know, it's not dangerous. It's not anything like that. Well, they didn't think it would be. But, um, you know, just to see... If they could kind of bring her around to being less of a uh, uh, hall monitor, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And try to gatekeep all this stuff from them. Okay, so Tapal then teaches the protocol of visiting the sanctuary to the crew. And when they get there, they see that there are a lot of objects kind of strangely out of place. They discover an Andorian kind of hiding out in the uh, sanctuary atrium, I guess is where it was. And they are captured by these Andorians that have beamed down there. And we also find out that the Andorians have taken the Vulcans hostage, in a, in a sense, and they're all kind of uh, being kept in a back room where they throw the uh, Enterprise crew along with them. The Andorians, we find out, are there because they have been uh they have been suspecting the um, Vulcans of spying on their planet with a powerful sensor. So with this scene and them walking up to the door and the door is clearly damaged and everything, I think Topol's explanation is very, like, I don't know. It doesn't have a lot of common sense to it. Like you can mm-hmm. clearly tell that that is fresh damage to that door. And yet she says, well, the place is 3000 years old. You can't expect it to be pristine. Like, what? <laughs> right. Yep. Well, it also looks uh, like somebody bashed it in. Like that's exactly not yeah. age. No. And even if it was old damage to the door, it would be weathered. It would have been, you know, Fixed. try it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or they would have put it at least back, you know, maybe they would have left some scarring on the wood of the door, but they wouldn't have left it with like shards hanging out of it and stuff. 
It was yeah. just very weird to me. Yeah. And then also, I think it was kind of weird that T'Pol is very much telling them, no, we're not going to go visit this place because, you know, it's where they go for solitude. And yet they have a whole, like, greeting ritual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, protocol for accepting visitors and all that sort of thing. So there there was a lot of contradictory stuff for me in this episode. Well, would that have been just for greeting other Vulcans that were coming to the sanctuary? I mean, it could have been, but uh, I don't know. It just was weird. It's like what I was thinking about when I was watching this. I was looking at the aesthetics, as I always do with these things, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at how you know, just how everything looks. And, you know, it was cool getting to see kind of that side of the Vulcans that we don't really get to see much. It, well, in the Star Trek that I have seen, I have not seen that part of the Vulcans before. I kept My mind kept going back to Picard and trying to think back of, does this a mirror anything that we saw in Picard relating to the Vulcans? Which we didn't really see much of the Vulcans, but we saw a lot of the Romulans in Picard. Mm. And I just kept... I don't know, kind of had some of the same vibes in a lot of ways, I felt like, to some of the the Romulan stuff that we saw. Not on the Borg ship, but the other stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the planet or whatever. Yeah. It had kind of the same vibes going on, I felt like. Yeah, I found it interesting because I, too, was looking at some of the uh, the aesthetics and the objects in the background, and I found it had a very Asian vibe, and I don't know if mm-hmm. that's purely because they were like, oh, it's a it's a monastery. Let's go with the Asian style monastery instead of like a European style monastery. But um, I thought it was very interesting. Some of the inconsistencies I've noticed in the way they sort of visualize things like we see some statues that. It almost looks like they they went to a cheesy like knockoff Asian market oh, yeah. and got these like golden monk statues and mm-hmm. put pointy ears on them. But <laughs> did they like, have pointy ears? They did. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I was looking at them because I my first thought was, have we ever seen a bald Vulcan? Right. And my second thought was, they have pointy ears, but they don't have Vulcan eyebrows. Which is something that I've I've noticed in Enterprise isn't always consistent, and it's it's one of the few things that um, bugs me about T'Pol is why doesn't she have Vulcan eyebrows? Hmm. Does she not? No, I mean they might be slightly shaped upwards, but she has like a normal arched eyebrow. I gotta look this up. Hang on, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, they look arched up. Um, They're arched up, but Vulcan eyebrows are like straight up. I mean, at an angle. What? But, like okay, Vulcan I'm, eyebrows I'm, don't bend down at the tip. Well, I know they're slanted, but... Okay, I'm looking up Spock. <laughs> yeah, hers are not s- styled in the traditional. They are in the picture I'm looking at. But it might be, I think it's a later season. Okay, yeah, she this one from a later season, she definitely has the typical Vulcan eyebrows. So I would say in in some of these pictures from later seasons, she definitely doesn't have 
But like looking at this one picture from Memory Alpha, which is definitely from season one, she has totally normal eyebrows. Yeah, I think they they fixed it in later seasons. Yeah. I also have, this is really weird, but uh, to me, I mean, Jolene Blaylock does a really good job playing to Paul, but, and maybe these are her normal lips, but would a Vulcan have lip fillers? No. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is the one thing about her that bugs me. Because I'm like, okay, like she does a really good job playing the character. But some of the aesthetics they went with with her, I just don't get. Well, in later seasons, we're seeing her in these like weird jumpsuits. (laughs) Yeah, like velour jumpsuits. Yeah. And of course, they went with the skin tight options. So, uh, of course, she basically looks like Seven of Nine. What's with Star Trek putting women in these tight cat suits? (laughs) (laughs) Ratings. Every single one. Uh Every single one. Well, because it's, yeah, like they said, they, they assume it's the, you know, the geeky oh, guys that are watching, I so. <laughs> I know, I'm not stupid, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, you know what, I, I do like that Picard did not do that to Me Jerry too. Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, they put her in normal clothes, you know? I thought she looked amazing in that show. Mm-hmm. Well, she looked good, for sure. Like, even her, her outfit fit her character. I thought it was really good styling for that character. Yeah. But then again, they did have the the villain who was basically wearing oh, yeah. a see-through sequined. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> but well, you know. in the in the sister Romulan sister, whatever her name was, she wore some pretty tight stuff too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. That character. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't listened to our episodes on Picard, uh, they're back there. We we all we all have different opinions on it. Yeah. So getting back to Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sorry for that little rabbit hole I let us down. I did think it was a little interesting that you know this being a, a monastery that I'm assuming Vulcans can show up to at any time that the Andorians didn't allow them or didn't think that they would need to straighten up the lobby. So the people coming in wouldn't suspect anything. Well, I, I, I just I found that a little weird. That well, I kind of get the feeling that this it's as because it's something that they stated happens from time to time. Um, I think the Andorians were used to just being there for like a day or a few hours and then leaving. So the the chances of somebody coming during that time, I guess, were a little lower, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was a little strange. Yeah, and I also I also got the impression, maybe I'm wrong, that um you know, visitors were not that common. Like they would come, but they would be pretty spaced out or whatever. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I did think it was interesting that um if I'm remembering correctly, there is an episode in Voyager where Tuvok mentions that he went to a monastery like this where he was taught culinar and, and all that. Um, so I thought it was cool that we get to see that portion of the Vulcan uh, society. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying, too, about it was mm. um, getting to see that side of it. 
Because all I see, all I remember about Vulcans um, was one of the the movies, the newer movies had. We saw Sarek, like mm-hmm. training some kids or something, and they were all in these like bubbles, learning stuff. Well, that, that I think that was just the the Vulcan school they were yeah. doing testing yeah. and right, yeah. but like getting to see like that aspect of mm. the Vulcan life. Because other than that, the only time I'd seen Vulcans was, um, you know, Spock. <laughs> On the original <laughs> series, or you know, whenever they would show up on the shows, or whatever, well, they were but on was... Vulcan in Star Trek three and four. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I don't remember anything from those movies. <laughs> <laughs> when were they in, on Vulcan in four? At the At beginning, the beginning? they left from the there begin- to. They left from Vulcan because they 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 stopped there at the end of three. And basically stayed there because, you know, technically they were fugitives from Starfleet at that point. And uh, then, of course, it just so happens that then Earth comes under attack by this probe in Star Trek IV. And, uh, oh, wouldn't you know, the Enterprise crew is somewhere else and can actually come to their aid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they kind of like tied together those those movies a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, like one one started where the other one ended. Yeah, especially in um, well, yeah. definitely two, three, two, and, three four. and four. Were yeah, basically back to back three movies. Okay, all I remember from four is they go back in time to San Francisco and whales <laughs> and well, the yeah. hospitals. Yes, yes, that's the important part. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now everybody has been taken hostage in the sanctuary. And when the Andorians scan the Enterprise in orbit, they see that the science officer is to Paul, and they believe that the Enterprise is collaborating with the Vulcans, and they decide to interrogate Archer. So they basically take him and start torturing him, <laughs> or hitting him. And they also um, try to devise a way to get you know off the planet, because they've lost communication with, well... Their communicators got smashed, mm-hmm. I guess, so they can't yeah. communicate with the Enterprise at this point. So now they have to like figure out a way off the planet. One of the Vulcans says that they have a communication, like a secret communications device, down in the catacombs, which I thought was kind of I, I liked um, Trip's reaction to all of this <laughs> revealing of information by the Vulcans. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was very much the um, when were you going to tell us about this yeah. kind of reaction. It was very um, cliche, you know, um, but I think that it was supposed to be on purpose, you know, with yeah. the whole like secret passageway and you move the statue and it opens <laughs> the door and all of that. I did think it was interesting, though, that at least for me, that sort of lulled me into, okay, well, then this is going to happen next and this is going to happen next. I thought they were going to go down. Trip was going to fix the communications thing. He was going to contact the Enterprise and the Andorians were going to detect it. And that's how they were going to, you know, progress the story. And then they didn't do that at all. So I did like it. It was almost like a bit of a bait and switch. Like, we'll put you on the cliche path and then take a different turn. I just liked um, Tripp's uh, reaction to stumbling into the mummies <laughs> right down there. That that made me laugh. That it's you know also a stereotypical reaction that you see in movies like The Mummy or things like that. That it's just like okay, or Indiana that's funny. Jones, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Not that I would react any less. No. <laughs> in fact, I may have been more horrified. <laughs> 
Yeah, I probably would have been like, I didn't even like in, um, in my biology labs and stuff, we had at least one human skeleton that was real as a study specimen. I didn't like using that one. Mm-mm. It gave me the creeps. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Yeah. But I did like in this too, of Malcolm's reaction as he's in charge on the enterprise, trying to get his captain and his crew back mm-hmm. and all of his, um, uh, these sh- this should be protocols. <laughs> yeah. Reactions. <laughs> Why hasn't anybody thought of this? <laughs> if I had my way. <laughs> so that was yeah. fun. It's just to, to see them figure out protocols and things that we take for granted, mm-hmm. having watched all the Star Trek that we've seen. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I like this show mm. is because they, they build up to that, which is fun to see. Yeah, for sure. I did think it was weird, though, that they mentioned that the Andorian ship was down there. He's like, well, why didn't we scan for alien ships and all of that sort of thing? And they say the landing pad's not that big. We should have seen it and all these and then at the very end, they show the landing pad, and it's tiny. Mm-hmm. The Enterprise shuttle would have had to set down right beside the Andorian ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why didn't T'Pol go, oh, wait, that's an Andorian ship. We should leave. That is a plot hole that they didn't think about. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Reed, he gets transported down with two security guards to the sanctuary to protect the hostages where they basically end up chasing the Andorians through the catacombs underneath the surface. And they end up accidentally discovering a secret door in these catacombs. Then they proceed to open it. And lo and behold, there is, there actually is a spy station (laughs) on this planet. Archer, I don't know if he apologizes to the Andorians, but he basically says, you know what, you guys... Uh, have every right to know about this, take it back to your home world, you're free to go. And uh, he gets on to the Vulcans for lying to everybody. Now, I will have to say, I'm sure this was an obvious plot twist, but when I first saw this episode, when it first came on, I don't know why, but I was not expecting that to actually be true. Well, as someone who just watched this episode for the first time, I did not expect it. Yeah, me either. It it may have it may seem obvious now that we know it, but in watching the episode, I think they did a very good job of not dropping any hints that that was coming. Yeah, yeah. Although I did start start to get suspicious when they got down to the reliquary room and the candles were lit. I was like, wait a minute, why are are they doing the dumb thing where it's like, oh, this is a random room that nobody's been in for centuries, but the candles are lit because we need light. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, wait, why is there a really technologically sophisticated door here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't even notice the candles lit. Yeah. I don't know that I would have noticed it the first time I saw the episode, but I did notice it in watching it for the podcast. That I had that same thought. I was like, wait, where are the candles lit? They just said no one's been down here in forever. <laughs> yeah. I think I notice it maybe because um, of playing some video games and stuff. And they, they do kind of make that leap for you of because they want you to go into these ruins to do these quests. You just kind of have to accept that 
in order there for there to be light down there, the candles and torches have to be lit. Yeah. Um, yes, it's a tomb that's supposedly been sealed for centuries, but just go with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it reminds me of when I was taking some film classes in, in college where uh, we were talking about cinematography and, you know, lighting and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there's like a really famous joke of, well, when you're in a cave, where does the light come from? <laughs> you know, because you can always see the people, even though there's not supposed to be any candles or any fire, you can always see the actors, even though it's supposed to be pitch black right in there. And uh, the answer is, well, it comes from the same place that the music comes from. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Another thing I thought was interesting, um, and it kind of goes back to me saying that I expected the Andorians to detect the the communication signal um, when Trip calls the Enterprise. Um, The Andorians detected the transporter beam. And they detected the biosigns, you know, near them in the atrium, but not the communication that went out. So it I, I don't know whether that's then just saying there's some sort of limitation in their technology or with what they brought with them, or maybe the transmission was just so such an old machine that it like nobody scans for that anymore or something. That was more where my mind went on it. It was just such an old technology that it's not something that you would even remotely look for anymore. Mm. I mean, considering that the, the monastery was supposed to be without technology at all. True. I actually found myself wondering at the end of this episode when, well, first they, they go in and see the spy station and nobody in the spy station reacts to them finding them. Right. Um, but then I found myself asking if T'Pol actually knew about that. I got the feeling she hadn't, but I don't know for sure if that's what we were supposed to get from that reaction. Yeah, I feel the same. I I waffled back and forth uh, after watching this episode. I was like, did she know? Was that why she was so trying to dissuade them from doing anything there? Or did she really not know? If I was writing this, I would have her know. Yeah. I mean, we've already had a few things with her where she knew something, the Enterprise crew figures it out, and then we find out that T'Pol just hadn't told them because she wasn't supposed to. But this, like, breaks a treaty, though, with something. Yeah. So it's it's a bigger deal. Yeah, exactly. I also think it it's very interesting to see this side of the Vulcans because we're so used to them being full-on allies with the Federation. And um, peacemakers and all of that. And rule followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was something that that kind of crossed my mind when we were when I watched this was they kept talking about their aversion to violence and you know, not using violence to solve things and just letting the Andorians do what they need to do and then then leave and all of that sort of thing. And yet um, in Discovery, we get the whole episode titled The Vulcan Hello, which was basically you see a Klingon ship, you shoot it. Because all of this stuff has been happening to us whenever we encounter them so we strike first 
Um, so I don't know whether when the writers of Discovery took that into account or if just the fact that Discovery is set in a very different setting, um, I, what came, whether there was a connection there at all, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch Discovery. I haven't watched any of that show at all. So yeah, um, I keep meaning to. I just find other things to watch when I sit down to watch TV. So I have a feeling you'd like it. Yeah. I would think so. There's a lot of actors in it that I really like. So mm. we've only seen the first two episodes because we did them for the podcast. But, uh, you know, I I liked where it was going and it does sound like it has some really intriguing plots and everything. All right. So in this episode, this is the first appearance of the updated makeup design for the Andorians that was created by Michael Westmore. Um, and it was used for the Andorian species whenever they appeared in subsequent episodes on Enterprise. Um, the meditation set on stage nine uh, near the spot where the trans is near the spot where the transporter room of the USS Enterprise and Star Trek, the motion picture was built in 1977. Serac is mentioned for the first time on the show. Um, he later appears in the fourth season, uh, the wall tapestry in one of the corridors of the monastery, uh, prominently featuring a bird was later reused and seen at the Vulcan facility on Dikindi three. I hope I'm pronouncing that right in the second hmm. season. Um, but the fabric of that without the bird and Vulcan letters were used in the Ventaxian um, Athenum and Devil's Dew on Next Generation. The power cell that Aaron had a <laughs> trivia question about earlier, I still can't read my writing on, uh, was later <laughs> used as part of uh, a Vulcan food processor in the fourth season. The catacombs themselves were an expansion of the cave sets seen in the previous um, Enterprise episode, Terra Nova. The angle control booth window in the launch bay was created and used for the shuttle bay on Next Generation. It's the f in the first um, appearance on that show was in The Child, and it was one of the only, of a, a one of only of a few Enterprise D sets that survived all the way to Enterprise, Star hmm. Trek Enterprise. Um. The large wooden doors used as the entrance to the monastery were reused from the broken bow. Um, in that episode, it was the door to the Klingon Hive Council Chamber. The satellite image of Pajem, as seen on the display table in the Situation Room of the Enterprise, was a retouched photo of a boulder in Yosemite National Park. <laughs> um, and then this episode features the first contact between Starfleet and the Andorians, and it's the first episode in which Malcolm Reed commands the Enterprise. Very cool. Okay, so that was our discussion of the Andorian incident from Enterprise. We would love to hear what you thought of this episode and what your thoughts are on Star Trek in general. So if you ever want to get in contact with us and uh, just start a conversation, you can reach us on our social media pages. We have Twitter, which is at Tribbles Podcast. We have our Facebook, and, our Facebook page and group for Tribbles and Transporters and also an Instagram for Tribbles and Transporters. And then if you ever want to contact us directly, we do have a Gmail that you can reach us at, which is just tribblesandtransporters at gmail.com. And you'll find the links to all of that in the episode description if you are listening in an app that lets you access that. 
All right, so I guess that will do um, for our discussion of the Andorian incident. We appreciate you listening as always. Join us next time, and we will see you then. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>